بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد للہ رب العالمین وسلاۃ وسلام علیہ رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ویلکم آڈینس ٹو ٹوکنگ دین پوڈ کاسٹ آئی ایم یور ہوسٹ ماجد اینڈ می بردر جے کے اینڈ بردر شاز السلام علیکم بردرس ہائی گاز ڈوئنگ سبحان اللہ سبحان اللہ بین اوینٹ فل لاسٹ فیو ڈیز وٹ یو گاز میک آف دی الیکشن ریزلٹس Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's what I, I predicted. I didn't think it was going to be any different. Uh, probably the margin of victory was uh, yeah. was a lot bigger. Uh, but it should uh, open a few eyes for people to realize that uh, the real power breakers are the capitalists in the world. Yeah. And uh, it's not really, you can do a lot to change that. Yeah, and it definitely shows where, you know, the thought process of a lot of the population in the UK, where it's going. You know, mm. the Conservative Party are very, you can say on one extreme, actually not not mm. fully far right but they're going towards that direction so the fact that they got such a majority is uh, does tell you a lot about british society today yeah. yeah i mean you know in one way if you think about it, it it seems like the majority overlooked the nhs yeah. austerity and all these all these measures and mm. matters and and for them what was most important the, you know at the same similar to when the brexit, brexit uh, referendum happened mm. was the issue to do with the uh, immigration yeah. and in all honesty do with islam and muslims as well so definitely anyway we'll see how it goes yeah. you know uh, we uh, you know we, we did do a podcast and we're not going to go into the issue of halal and haram mm. but one quick message i would say to you know to uh, fellow muslims out there is that what we saw over the last few weeks was muslims becoming activated politically yeah. uh, you know getting involved and and what i would say is that alhamdulillah this thing in itself is good okay but the what they were getting involved in yeah. and what they were you know uh, activists for mm. what their objectives were you know this this needs to be uh, corrected to one which is islam and another thing which i want to just mention and, and give credit to the ummah actually even those people that to a certain degree you might say that they they said voting was allowed and stuff like that is that every single muslim that i came across even if they try to justify voting they all did it from an islamic point of view mm-hmm. yeah no one turned around and said listen you know what you know islam ain't going to be able to deal with our issues yeah. we're here now we've got all these problems you know forget that you know i think at this moment in time democracy is the best thing mm-hmm. since sliced bread nobody said that yeah. so people try to justify it and uh, alhamdulillah it was good yeah. uh, but okay so inshallah let's get on to the today's topic <clears throat> the today's topic uh, is something which I was speaking to a brother actually and he recommended this topic and he said you know what he said why don't you do a podcast on who are the real terrorists okay and I thought subhanallah you know what this might you know it's 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 worth doing but then also we had the issue of the London bridge attacks a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. with the uh, you know uh, allegedly Usman Khan yeah and what we see from these type of attacks is that um, if the profile fits a certain type of person i.e. a muslim then it always is a terrorist attack um, and it's linked to international terrorism international jihad okay and it may well be that you know someone else or maybe just say a white collar commits the same sort of attack but it's not even you know terrorism isn't even brought into it mm. okay so i thought what's worth doing is let's have a discussion about this because every time this <coughs> attack happens and i'll be honest with you when the news about the the uh, london attacks happened like when they came in mm-hmm. the first thing i thought you know is i thought you know what i hope this is some gang attack 
mm. some gang of violence mm. because I knew, and I wasn't surprised if it was because the elections were coming up, and I personally predicted, <laughs> predicted something like this. But yeah. nevertheless, you know, I was thinking, you know what? I I hope it's not some guy who they're gonna blame me on Islam. They're going to uh, bring jihad into this, you know, because what this does is this puts Muslims into a corner. This puts Muslims yeah. onto the defensive, okay? And, you know, you hear things like, you know, uh, uh, people saying, you know, not all Muslims are terrorists. You say, yeah. Um, but then they'll say, well, but all terrorists are Muslims. <laughs> so what you're seeing here is that Islam is being uh, accused of being violent, being backward, mm. being linked to, uh, you know, uh, terror and bloodshed. Okay, and what's happening is that the way the people are being conditioned through the media is the fact that now, if something happens or if they hear the word jihad, the first thing that comes into their mind is terrorism. Yeah. Okay, when they think of you know even if they think of khilafa or they think of Sharia, first thing they think is of is people executing people and and so on and so forth. Okay, yeah. so that's what I was thinking that this topic itself, inshallah, what we'll do is we'll address this. We'll address who are the real terrorists, okay? And we'll back this up with facts. Mm. But also, I think it's worthwhile that we need to refine our understanding on certain concepts, especially the concept of jihad. Mm. Because this is something which, you know, some people, some scholars in the past argue that this was the sixth pillar of Islam. And I believe that today, Muslims don't have a correct understanding of it. And because of that, for, for, uh, for no good reason, do we feel like, you know, we're on the defensive. Do we feel like we're guilty um, without even being proven guilty? And that's why, inshallah, ta'ala, that's my aim for this podcast, inshallah. So I'll start off with the first question, right? So what is the understanding of terrorism? What is what is the definition of terrorism? What is terrorism? Yeah. It's a good question. I think it is a really good topic. And like you, like you explained, is a, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, misinterpretation and misunderstanding of what this term actually means. But um, terrorism itself is, uh, we, everyone has their own definition of what, that, what it is, <coughs> but actually it has become very prominent uh, nowadays since 9-11 really. And I looked um, into the Oxford Dictionary definition of, of what this term means, right? So they did, so Oxford Dictionary, British and World English, defines terrorism as, terrorism as the unofficial or unauthorized use of violence and intimidation in the pursuit of political aims. So, two two interesting points I note note from this definition, and the first thing is that why is it that this terrorism or this violence is only termed terrorism when it's unofficial or uh, unauthorized? And the interesting point here is that does that mean when violence is authorized or violence is official, i.e., government-led, state-led, then it is okay and it isn't terrorism? That's the first thing to note, right? And the second point is that why is it only terrorism when it is in the pursuit of a political aim? Why is it only when it's political violence it's termed terrorism? And again, the interesting thing to note here is that does that mean, you know, it really highlights that the governments aren't really interested in an attack that may cause terror, but if it's nothing political, they're not that interested. It's not really a threat. But when it becomes political, because it starts affecting the status quo, it starts affecting the Western political interests, then it's termed terrorism because this is more of a threat. So this is the definition used. Many will have different definitions. And actually, in my simple eyes, anything which causes terror would be terrorism for me. But actually, they have a specific definition and they want to stick to this. And that's why they don't 
automatically term something that's like like you said a, a white person or a non-muslim person doing an attack they won't straight away call it terrorism because actually it's only when it's a certain type of terror or violence that it's termed terrorism i mean the word itself it has latin origins uh, terere which means to frighten okay um okay. and scare so that's the origins of the word or the etymology of the word if you want to to see it from that point of view mm. i agree with what you're saying there's certain points that I, I do uh, disagree with. Uh, one of them is that uh, there are very different versions of the word for terrorism. And there's a deliberate reason for that. And one of the reasons is, is that if you actually look at that definition and you look at other definitions that they do come up with, and the UN did come up with one in 2004 yeah. as well, is that it actually implicates uh, governments and states to be terrorists. Uh, at that level as well And it doesn't just keep it at a political level So where do you draw the line And it's good that how uh, It's evolved over time And one of the things when I was looking at into this Is how has this word evolved And where did it actually Be injected into a more political framework mm. uh, And what I found is Actually in the 1920s The word was really synonymous With gangsters so during the prohibition era in uh, in America, uh, the the terror and terrorists were the people who were bootlegging and were were, were the gangsters. So that was Al Capone, it was, yeah, yeah, Al Capone. So yeah, people yeah. like people like that, you, you know about Al Capone, right? <laughs> so so more more on that on that front. Yeah. And then there was actually a massive spike when during the nineteen seventies and the the kind of uh, uh, um, uh, problems that were going on, especially within uh, the British institutions, were against yeah. the IRA. So the word started becoming a lot more synonymous with the IRA, linking it to fringe groups like that. The the press started using that a lot more uh, into that area. Before this, before the seventies, it wasn't really linked to to that that uh, kind of political atmosphere. It was more to do with a, that thug street level kind of environment. These were the terrorists, and these were the people. So uh, and then and then from past the seventies era, from like you said, from nine eleven onwards. It started to be linked with only Muslims, Muslims yeah. uh, and they were the they were the ones. Even when you look at uh, groups uh, uh, like Spain in ETA, you know that's a that, that their agenda is obviously one of that is political. Yeah. Uh, but only recently will they be forced to call them terrorists, or they've yeah. got a terrorist wing. They'll call them a far right extreme group, yeah. but they won't exactly come out with a label and say they're a terrorist organization or they're a terrorist group. Then maybe they have started to slightly change that on, on that that's because. Right, yeah. People are aware. Look, if you're if you're constantly linking it to Muslims and not this, you're using this definition. So why does this group not fit into it? As well? And and I think that's quite deliberate, actually. Like, someone might argue that actually it's not always used for Muslims and Islam because with far right, the rise of far right terrorism uh, or far right attacks, uh, it's been used. Like Finsbury Park, for example, they call that the Fins Finsbury attack terror attack, right? Mm. But it wasn't Muslims. It was a far right group or far right person. Um, and yeah, fair point. It's not always used for Muslims nowadays, but actually, that's quite recent. And I believe quite strongly that only because they they saw this backlash, and even non-Muslims recognizing that how comes terrorism is only used when it's a Muslim, and 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 the double standards in this place. Mm. So so I think actually when they saw this happening, they started to use this term when it came to far right terrorism, and and actually you know far right terrorism has increased more recently. So they, I think it's quite deliberate. Also as well is. Um, like you said there, that they uh, call this Finsbury Park Mosque attack uh, terrorism, right? Mm. And somehow we felt as Muslims that we've achieved something. Yeah, yeah. The reality is, is look, 
you know whether this was a terrorist attack or not but if we are if we're going to acknowledge that this was a terrorist attack then are we happy to say well okay you can you can link islam to terrorism you can call us terrorists exactly. as long as you call these people terrorists as well so yeah. that's not the point so my next question is is that you know why is islam being linked to terrorism because especially what you said there shaz about the way you know, the word is being used over the over time right mm-hmm. why, right now you you probably accept and agree that you know terrorism and all and terror is you know are, are, un, unanimously at the moment linked to islam and muslims right yeah. why is this the case so in my, in my view i think it's deliberate um so as you were saying even before 9/11 there was the term terrorism was used and you know the IRA mm. problems and the problems even the french revolution they used this term to, and it came from that latin yeah. meaning um but actually the, the way to really understand it in the in the space of why it's linked to islam and muslims is since 9/11 since the war on terror right so uh, george bush after 9/11 um, a few days afterwards he he termed this statement that we are at a, uh, there's a war on terrorism and a war on terror um and then this became like their slogan for yeah. the invasion of iraq the invasion of uh, afghanistan for mm. example and he did get a bit of backlash but actually this this just caught on and now um this war on terror became a massive you know term and we've heard it since uh, the 2000s for example um and it's very interesting because when you now have a war against a concept right um you it's quite vague so you can start inserting certain um you know definitions of what terror is into this and you know we know that it's in fact a war on islam right mm-hmm. and not any islam you know it's not any islam and they can't say war on islam because actually a lot of their population is muslim right so they in the in the same sense they could have said war on communism when it was a straight clear attacker and a clear aggressor a clear enemy they couldn't say war on islam because this was would have caused uproar right but they termed it war on terror right and george bush himself um he quoted as quoted as saying uh, our enemy is a radical network of terrorists and every government that supports them when he said this uh, term of war on terror yeah. and the reason for that is because now they want to define what is terror what is terrorism and that that's where political islam comes into play you know if you use those 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 both of those uh, uh, in context if you call it war on terror and call it war on islam don't look at the terms look at the actions what they carry out yeah. when they carry out those actions it's exactly the same whether they were having a war on islam or a war on terror they would be doing exactly the same actions to try and destroy the islamic ideology yeah. now it's interesting because like you said i've never heard in the term in history from the french revolution yes they used that term but they never used it when they were having their war against communism yeah. that's never been used as a term Well, because at the day it was they were fighting on an ideological level, yeah. and because there was a state apparatus in order to fight them on that level, they couldn't turn around and call it that. Yet, obviously, they will be able to uh, indoctrinate people to realize that look, it is uh, an ideological battle. Because they were they were happily, openly saying that it's an ideological battle, and the reason why they don't want this uh, uh, the Islamic State to rise and. Uh, have that kind of battle because then it becomes quite clear and obvious for the muslims to choose because george bush also clearly said you are either with us or you're against us so obviously you either side with islam or you side with the kufr at the day yeah. so i think th- this is an interesting time period we're having those words war on islam mm. war on terror yeah. it was deliberately injected at that time because there was there was a massive rise of, of muslims understanding about islam and that increasing as well yeah, that is that does, that doesn't make sense because 
like you said, war and terror, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, or no. war and terrorism doesn't mean anything because, <laughs> you know, the, the communists, okay, just say uh, when they had the Cold War, they could have called up war on terror but never for example reference. when they have uh, when they had the war on drugs against the the, the cartels the South American cartels yeah. you know those guys are ruthless yeah. that's proper terror yeah. you know what I mean terrorism right they could have called, called it war on terror they yeah. never but here because like you're saying they couldn't openly say this is war on Islam yeah. later on you'd have to agree though they did shift a little by bringing in the new concept of Islamism. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But they still have, I don't think they've said war on Islamism, have yeah, but they? What you've done is, Maj, you've created the groundwork. Mm. You've created the groundwork for the psyche of the human being or yeah. whoever it is, whether it's the West, even within the Muslim, you've created the psyche to say, right, this is our brand of what terrorism is. Now we're going to try and link it to say, yeah. it's anyone who has any kind of Islamic sentiment. Anyone who thinks that they want Islam. Anyone who wants to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by saying, I want to live my life according to Islam. Yeah. And then it puts the Muslim on the back foot. Mm. That's it a really good point because I, I, I genuinely think that it, terrorism and terror has become so synonymous with Islam that you don't even need to say it. So if you say, oh, there's a terrorist attack or <laughs> war on terrorism or war on terror, straight away, yeah. even the Muslim, straight yeah. away you will think, oh, Islam, Muslims, right? You won't even think twice about who it is and who the target is. You, you'll know and they've made it so synonymous that it's really affected our mindset. That's and true, you know, because one, one quick thing is yeah. that, you know, where I can guarantee you, just say an attack's happened somewhere in London or somewhere, right? Go You've got someone on the other side of the country, a Muslim person, right? They will feel uh, anxious. They will feel something like, like if they go into a room full of, let's say English people, and, they, and it's on the news, right? And they got, you know, picture Usman Khan up or whatever. Yeah. For some reason, even though they have nothing to do with it, yeah. Just because they're Muslims, just because they're probably even, their, their face is the same color, yeah. to a degree, right? They will feel some sort of unease. unease. Why is that? It's exactly. because of that you're saying it's become so synonymous that now, you know, people probably don't need to say it, but you, f- you feel what they're feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's clever how you said that point as well. You know, the media, if it's a Muslim, the media will play it. It's terrorism. This is what it is. He was radically indoctrinated, etc. Straight away. Yeah. Without any questions, etc. If someone who's non-Muslim does it, they'll look at every other angle first. Did he have any health problems? Yeah. Was he mentally ill? Yeah. What was going on in his life at the end of the day? Until they've eradicated all those points first, then they'll have to begrudgingly exactly. say, it's like, say, like, yeah, it's terrorism. Because that's what they have to do. What happened with the, the guy in Norway? Yeah. Uh, what was his name again? Anders Breivik. Breivik. Yeah. He was in court saying, look, I'm sane. Mm. They were trying to make him insane. Yeah. Right? He was saying, listen, because he knew yeah. if, he, if they said, if they proved that he was insane, mm. then his political, the reason why he did it for, yeah, yeah, it goes out the window. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. He yeah. was to say, look, I, I consciously, yeah, yeah. I'd kill these people yeah. because yeah. I've got a particular political message yeah. and yeah. I had to give that. Yeah. They were trying to say this guy's insane. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so moving on. Makes sense now, isn't it? That whenever these attacks take place, that these people are also killed at the same time, right? Normally, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So yes, instead yes. of getting them in court and them I mean, the, I mean, the, uh, going back to, I mean, whether it, we, I think we can say it was Usman Khan, right? Yeah. And certainly, from my point of view, someone who's going to do this type of thing, he can't be right in, no. in the head. He's going to have yeah, to have yeah, some problems, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, so mm. just say this happened, and in one way, to be honest with you, how different is this from someone to someone walk into a, a cinema with a gun and kill people? Okay, anyway, yeah. but <laughs> the thing is, is that when he was lying on the floor. Reality is, is okay, yeah, someone could argue they thought he had a suicide vest on, right? Yeah. And they shot him, but 
you know, you most, I would say 10 out of 10 times, most of these guys mm. are normally killed, right? Yeah. But anyway, moving on. Now there's a certain part of Islam where it's been hijacked by those and this is not something now this is something which actually has been has happened over the, from the missionary times mm-hmm. um, at the time when uh, you had the orientalists when they were trying to put the show Muslims were yeah. uh, bloodthirsty or whatever well, how did how did how they did this was through jihad okay so that's why we see jihadi John and we see you know yeah. this guy Usman was a jihadi he was linked to a international jihadi network yeah. okay so what we're seeing is that there are some there's a certain aspect of islam yeah. which they use to try to back up their claims and and we also see muslims now try to then uh, change or try to rewrite this concept of islam of jihad in order to uh, to show that listen no you're getting it wrong Jihad isn't about fighting It's about this And it's about that mm. Rather than actually Understanding what jihad is And and, and, and being confident enough To uh, portray it And yeah. defend it mm. We see that people Make excuses for it Right yeah. So this is I think The next thing Which we need to speak about About yeah. the issue of jihad Yeah no, I, And it's really linked To terrorism as well And so. one, one quick you like a disclaimer. Normally, people say J word, and this is just another. another <laughs> J word. You about JK? Yeah. No, not JK. But oh. you know, some people you get that like yeah, uh, yeah. They, they're scared to say jihad. They're so and scared of saying it. That the, of the word, they'll say J word, right? That's because um, it's been deliberately been hijacked. Yeah. That's it's the been point. Hijacked. One thing, and the secondly, yeah. uh, you mentioned these people. Islam isn't the ideology. They've made jihad the ideology. They're calling, right. they're, calling, they're calling jihad the ideology. That's right. When no one in history or no Muslim actually claims that and says jihad is an ideology, but the Western media and people who believe this have forced this down the throats of the minds of not only Muslims, but obviously the West will accept it, but down the minds of Muslims to think that this is an ideology. But it's not. Yeah. It's just one element of a hundred and a thousand different elements within Islam but even, that needs to be discussed. But even then it's misrepresented. But what I, what I want to throw this disclaimer out for everyone listening and, and for everyone watching yeah. is that don't get worried. <laughs> We're going to explain <laughs> yeah. jihad in the light of the Quran and the Sunnah. Um, and inshallah ta'ala, at the end of this podcast, you'll have a better understanding. Yeah, Inshallah. inshallah yeah. No, I was just saying that mm-hmm. it's, it is linked to uh, this term terrorism as well. That when when um, a terrorist attack happens or there's something going on, even in the Muslim lands under Daesh and other groups, right? Um, what they've done is they've dragged jihad into the mud with all this all this other package that, that comes along with all this terrorism as as they define it. So, for example, as you were saying, jihadi John, uh, jihadists, the jihadi militia. It's, it's used a lot by the West, and this is deliberate, right? And I was doing a bit of research into in some of the US policy uh, during the war on terror in the early days, and even now, right? And there's an institution called uh, the RAND Corporation. And the RAND Corporation is basically a policy think tank who advises the US government on their policy, their foreign policy, more, uh, if it's more, more, to be more specific. And they have a report. Uh, that they wrote in 2005 called the Civil Democratic Islam, right? And they wrote this for the U.S. government. And the U.S. government took this on, the Bush Bush administration took this on, right? And what they did is they clearly categorized um, different types of Muslim people, right? They categorized each Muslim, where they fit, and how they would define jihad, right? And it's so analyzed, it's amazing. They literally wrote it out, right? And I'll just give you, they've got seven groups. I went 
I won't mention all of them, uh, but I'll give you a, a few, three of them, right? So they had on the far, like the left, right? They had the radical fundamentalists, right? And the way they said they defined jihad uh, is that there are different levels of jihad, but armed struggle for the establishment of a universal and worldwide Islamic order is incumbent upon anyone physically capable of participating. This can take the form of classical warfare or the terrorism and insurgency, right? So that was like the, the radical of the radical. This is like the jihadi groups, right? And then they've got other groups, but another one they've got is the, the conservative traditionalists, right? Uh, jihad is primarily a struggle for personal moral betterment, uh, but it encompasses war on behalf of Islam when necessary and appropriate. So have you noticed how it gets less extreme, right? Okay. And then all the way to the to the far far I don't want to say far right but far the far left, far far left, left you could call left. it uh, they've got um, radical secularists right <laughs> uh, fighting wars on the grounds of religion and religious differences is completely uh, archaic and wrong so it's, jihad has nothing to do with fighting okay. right I'm not saying any of these definitely we will define the term right yeah. but I'm not saying any of these are right but it's very interesting how the West they themselves knew that there are certain Muslims mm. that define jihad different ways okay. and they How to categorize categorized them, yeah. people, right? Yeah. So if you now define jihad in a way some of these groups, you fall in this group, right? So if you now say it's war and it's to do with battle and it's to do with qital and you know how we have it in the history of Islam, mm -hmm. you're now in the bracket of radical fundamentalist. Right? Okay. So very interesting. So this is this is how this is linked to terrorism and how they've kind of taken jihad through through the mud. That's fine. So I think let's start discussing then what is jihad in mm. the light of the Quran and the Sunnah. Uh, you know, because yeah. uh, this is something which, like you said, you gave all those categories, and unfortunately, those whichever category you fall in, a lot of people will be promoting their own type of view, right? Yeah. So let's discuss what is the actual, you know, the the true the concept definition. of jihad in Islam. I mean, with with Islam, one thing to know and one principle in Islam is that you have. Uh, a sharia meaning, a sharia meaning, right? For certain words, certain concepts in Islam, uh, along with the literal meaning, right? So to give you a bit of an example before going to the jihad, um, the linguistic meaning of salah, for example, is to supplicate, to yeah. do dua, right? Yeah. But the sharia meaning is to pray, to pray to Allah, to do your five daily prayers, right? So in Islam, the, the principle here is that although there's a literal meaning, we in Islam have redefined that term and we only take the Sharia meaning, right? So if I said to you now, brothers, it's time for Maghrib, let's go pray Salah. Are you going to turn around and say, are you making dua? You're not, are you? You're going to know that the context of what I'm talking about, I'm going to perform the, the prayer, right? The, the prayer to Allah. Same with Kafir, yeah? This is interesting, all right? So Kafir linguistically means to cover, yeah, right? Yeah. But in the Sharia context, it means a disbeliever. Yeah. So if I now call someone a Kafir, you're not going to be like covering them up. Covering or... <laughs> Wearing hijab or, you know, you're going to know that I mean he's a disbeliever, right? So the sharia meaning has always taken precedent over the linguistic meaning. So on to jihad. Jihad has a root meaning. Linguist linguistically, it comes from the word juhd, which means to struggle. Yeah, mm -hmm. to struggle and strive, right? So we don't deny this. Mm -hmm. This is a linguistic sense. Jihad does mean to struggle and to strive and to place utmost effort in doing something. However, in the sharia context, it means to fight in the, in the cause of Allah, to make the deen of Allah prevail, right? So it's absolutely linked to the fighting, to, 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 to make war, mm -hmm. um, and anything linked to it. So um, if you're funding uh, the, the noble noble cause of jihad, I'm not talking about militias, I'm talking about the Islamic concept of mm -hmm. jihad, in the, the, the way Muhammad Sallallahu practiced it, right? And the Sahab afterwards, right? Um, to, to fund, to um, even speak 
and, and encourage Muslims to go, this is part of jihad, right? Um, so this is the real Sharia context. And um, I, I don't know if there's more to add, but there's some more we can go into uh, the fiqh and the, how the, some of the certain schools of thought, how they defined I mean, the, the way you the way you dis, uh, defined it there, that you know, fighting uh, in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make Allah's deen the highest. Obviously, this definition itself is something which is very which is loaded, and we'll need to explain. Yeah, definitely, you know what does it mean by the fighting? What type of fighting? You know what does it mean by making Allah's deen highest? But one one thing I can say <coughs> is that the the definition of jihad is the same definition you'll find in the four. Uh, main madhabs, yeah. the four schools of thought: <clears throat> mm. the Hanafi, Shafi, Maliki, and Hanbali. Yeah. In these schools of thought, what you'll find mm. is that the uh, the 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 actual definition of jihad is something which was fully understood at that time, and was stood for, mm. was understood for centuries. Mm. And this is something which is not open to any type of discussion, because not just because they said it, they derived this definition from the clear cut ayats of the Quran and from the hadiths. So, so you know, if people are trying to reinterpret what jihad is, yeah. then not are they just going against the classical schools of thought, but they're also clearly going against the clear evidences in the Quran, the Sunnah. Yeah, yeah I mean, every ideology has uh, 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 an intellectual uh, defense mechanism in place, and it also has a uh, physical defense mechanism in place, uh, and also uh, a method of propagation. It will. They all have this. It's uh, universal within them. Uh, one of the interesting things that uh, I've, I've learned as well is this word jihad. It's not a pre-Islamic word. It didn't exist pre-Islam. So anyone to try and claim and say it's, it's the word has nothing to do with Islam is specifically linked to Islam <laughs> and what was going on in Islam at the time. Mm. So um, again, I think there's some good points that you've made there. That look, you know, jihad has a specific meaning. And it's been hijacked by the West and the deliberate link of that to terrorism is for a specific agenda. Mm. And it takes uh, a Muslim and I encourage you know all the brothers and sisters who watch this, who listen to this, that they need to look at the life of Rasulullah Sallam. You know, you can't, uh, you know, we can't even make that statement and say, look, we're going to talk about jihad without somebody saying, well, who's the reference point for this? Mm. So the reference point is Rasulullah Sallam. And if, well, what are you saying then? So the Rasulullah didn't partake in, in jihad? Okay, so when was jihad used? I mean, what, what, what is the role of jihad? So one thing we've already established yeah. is jihad is to do with fighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But not just fighting, like you said, JK, anything that supports this cause, whether it's uh, through, yeah. the, through motivating, yeah. through, the, through the tongue, mm-hmm. or whether it's to, through financial uh, support, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, what are what is jihad? When was jihad used? And then we can discuss yeah. what are the conditions. Why yeah. is it that yeah. people cannot, uh, you know, start killing people left, right, and center right. themselves and call themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. Ji- call it jihad, That's killing right. innocent yeah, people yeah, and stuff yeah, like. Yeah. So let's go into this. Yeah. So jihad itself. I know, I know you. You. I thought you. You went. You went on that route, mm. but then you like you did a U turn mm. in the sense like you're speaking about that Islam as uh, a methodology of how yeah. to uh, preserve and how to. To uh, implement how to propagate Correct. the deen. So, so wanted to elaborate on that is that what is the purpose of of Islam? What is the purpose? The purpose is to liberate mankind. Mm. So, to liberate mankind. So, so when you mentioned about jihad fighting, fighting jihad isn't to fight. No. Jihad is not to fight. To say that that's the objective, to fight. The objective is not to fight. The objective is 
to liberate man and to remove any obstacles that are in the way in order to further propagate and speed up this process. And if, if if whatever obstacles in the way, whatever comes in the way, whether someone was to build, I don't know, a massive wall that we couldn't scale, etc. <laughs> to remove that is a physical obstacle mm-hmm. in order for us to carry Islam to the rest of mankind, to liberate them from the shackles of, of darkness. Yeah. So when people turn around and say jihad is to fight, to kill or anything like that, that's not the objective. It's not to kill kill people or yeah. to, you know, it is to remove these physical obstacles that are in the place in order to propagate the beauty of Islam to the rest of mankind. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because on one hand you have the West um, using these, so they, they understand that Islam or jihad has some sort of physical nature to it. Like you said, and that's not the objective. Mm. That's not the objective at all. The objective is to liberate mankind. But they use this side of it to term the words such as jihadi and jihadism, right? Uh, but then on the, on the other hand, you have... And I think it's probably died down slightly, but um, where there's been certain movements or scholars, you could call it, where they've tried to define jihad in the pure linguistic sense. So it's all about struggle mm. against one's nafs, even waking up for fajr is, is jihad, for yeah. example, and you know giving charity is jihad. And, and actually, we know from the Messenger and from the Qur'an, this is not the case. So the Messenger said, uh, perform jihad against the disbelievers with your wealth, your hands and your tongues. And as, as we've said, so it is can be physical, but actually also with your wealth and mm. and with your your your, your tongue. Sure. So speaking out against it. But I think the the main point, like you were saying, what is the objective? So what's the objective of jihad? What what are we trying to achieve? And first thing is a collective objective, right? It's a fard kifaya. Mm. So it's not an individual thing that I can go to the Muslim lands and just take on myself and and and, and perform jihad, right? It's a collective duty. It's something that, uh, in the natural sense, if the Islam we have the Islamic system, the Khalif organizes the army organizes the military and takes this uh, you know takes islam to wider lands to liberate them to to bring islam to them to remove the physical barriers for people to see the justice of islam and to see the truth of islam so this is the objective to, to make the deen of allah prevail as allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says waqatiluhum hatta la takunu fitnatun wa yakunu ad-deenu kulluhu illahi and fight them until persecution is no more and the deen is all for allah Right, and I looked into the tafsir of this ayah. What does it mean? What did the, what did the mufassirin say about this? And uh, one of the tafsir said that I think it's tafsir maududi. Uh, this aim and objective of jihad has two aspects: the negative and the positive. On the negative side, the aim of jihad is to abolish fitna, and on the positive, it is to establish Allah's way completely and its entirety. This is the only objective for which it is lawful, nay, obligatory, for the believers to fight. There is no object for which fighting is lawful and it does not behoove the believers to resort to fighting for any other objective. So it's very clear. Mm-hmm. It Subhan is that. for the deen of Allah to prevail. It's not for the fighting for the sake yeah. of it. It's not for aiding the Western agendas. None of that. It's purely mm-hmm. for the deen of Allah to prevail. So the way I see it is, if you think of it in this way, right? That Islam, we know Islam is the haq, is the truth. Undeniable truth, right? And... We see that the Messenger ﷺ brought this truth and we see that the methodology of spreading this to the, the rest of mankind is via jihad. Okay, mm-hmm. But like Shaz said, I mean Shaz made the, the, the valid point about that, it's not just about fighting. So we see that the Messenger of Allah wasallam, he yeah. sent when he, when he sent uh, the letters to the uh, you know foreign yeah. dignitaries and the kings and so on, mm-hmm. there were three conditions. Yeah. The first one was to accept Islam. 
The second one is if you don't want to accept Islam yourself as an individual, mm-hmm. that's fine because la ikra fi deen. There's yeah. no compulsion in the deen, right? Correct. Correct. But you have to come under the the authority of uh, of uh, Islam, and yeah, we will you know take over the land. You pop, become part of the the Islamic state, mm-hmm. um, and you pay the jizya. Yeah. Okay. And the third option is if they if they refused, the third option was to fight them. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple of things I want to mention on this one. Like, you know, the first option, you know, when the when the when the the messenger went, and most of these times, not the messenger sallallahu but the messenger who's carrying the message, right? Most of the time, these were sahaba. So when these sahaba went to these foreign dignitaries, what they would have done, they would not have just given a postcard saying accept Islam. Yeah. What they would have done, they would have Discussed and given the Islamic proofs of why this is the haq. Mm. Yeah. Now, once he presented that, if the guy accepts it, alhamdulillah. If he doesn't accept it, okay, after you've shown, mm-hmm. then you say, fine, you don't need to become a Muslim, but mm-hmm. I've shown you the clear truth now, mm-hmm. and you cannot become an obstacle to your people mm-hmm. to see the true justice because you want, you know. If it's, it might be your personal choice not to Correct. accept Islam, yeah. but you are an obstacle yeah. to your people. That's mm-hmm. right. And only after that stage, where after he knows the truth, and after he then uh, rejects this second uh, condition, then yeah. uh, the armies of jihad, you know, are set upon the uh, uh, the armies of of the enemy. Mm-hmm. But remember one thing: it's not the civilians. Yeah. Yeah. They're just fighting the obstacle because yeah. if these armies, if they once they surrender. Then obviously there's conditions and stuff like that, yeah. but then the fighting stops, yes, right. right? So what we yeah. see from here is that when people say jihad and they link it to terrorism and stuff like, that, I will say that the jihad, the armies of jihad were the armies of mercy, of course, because here you had people willing to sacrifice the most dearest thing to them, which is their life, yeah. to take the truth yeah. to other people, to liberate them, to liberate to, them, to free them, and it, and you touched on it. Is their right? So if a leader is stopping his people having the right of justice of Islam to be uh, helping them and imp- being imposed on them, then they are an obstacle. They and the people who are supporting him or the people who are maybe an army, it might not be an army, it might be something, somebody completely different, but there's still a physical barrier allowing Muslims and Islam to be able to help uh, the rest of Muslims. Yeah, definitely. And, and and that's the interesting point, isn't it? That with jihad, it was a mercy. It wasn't, you know, with all this co- negative connotation surrounding this word. And the reality and the fact is that jihad was a mercy to mankind. And the Messenger was a mercy to mankind. So you'll find in the hadith and in many of the examples that we find, um, the, the rules, strict rules of jihad, right? Mm-hmm. So in a hadith, the Messenger explained 10 rules of jihad. So when the armies would go out, as you said, they'd present the message. These three steps would take place, right? But if they had to go to war against the other enemy's army, like the the fire, the you know, the, the, the last fire, resort, the last resort, there were these ten rules, and the ten rules were: the Messenger of Allah said, "Do not kill any child, any woman, or elderly or sick person. Do not practice treachery or mutilation of the bodies. Do not uproot or burn the palms or cut down fruitful trees. Do not slaughter the sheep, the cow, and the, the you know the, the camels." Except if you to to eat it, if one fights his brother, he must avoid striking the face, for God created him with the image of Adam. Uh, do not kill the monks or the monastery. Do not destroy the monasteries or the places of worship. Do not destroy the villages or the towns or the cultivated fields, and do not um, do not wish for an encounter with the enemy. 
uh, pray to God to grant you security, but when you are forced to encounter them, exercise patience. Meaning, you shouldn't be wishing to go and kill the, the enemies. Yeah. Actually, if you can, uh, you know, just deal with the problem and, and, and you know, they're forced to pay jihad, so jizya, um, then, you know, we should take that route. And these are all the rules. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. All of those, yeah? All of the, the, yeah, the well, 10 rules. So much for the Geneva Convention. Yeah? Subhanallah, <laughs> when, yeah. when we've got Islam, you don't need the Geneva 1400 years ago. Subhanallah. Exactly. And the Subhanallah. beautiful thing is, I mean, without getting into too much examples, but the first one that comes to my mind is the uh, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi, rahimahullah, when he, you know, conquered, uh, uh, liberated, shall I say, yeah. uh, Al-Quds and Jerusalem and, and, and how he, you know, how he treated the people. Yeah. But okay, so you know, Subhanallah, with the stuff that you're coming out with, I'll be honest with you, I'm thinking that uh, we should actually do a podcast yeah, a just lot, for jihad there, itself because, Allah. you know, it's uh, yeah. there, there's a lot there. So in the future, maybe inshallah ta'ala, we will do something on jihad uh, and maybe bring in some of the misconceptions, not from the non-Muslims, yeah. but actually from the Muslims that are being promoted, that they're promoting yeah. about jihad as well, yeah? yeah. Um, but one thing I can say is that from what you guys have spoken about is You've, you've shown there that jihad A is an integral part of Islam mm. okay, and B is something which um, cannot be linked to terrorism in any way shape or form because this is something which has checks <clears throat> is something which if performed in the correct way mm. uh, is a mercy mm. um, and not something which is used you know, to terrorize people mm. and is not something which is used to just conquer lands like the colonials may have done in the past, which will which will come to inshallah. Yeah. So what? Okay. So moving on. So the you know we said at the beginning the discussion the the brother wanted to do the topic is who are the real terrorists. <laughs> so I'm asking you guys, guys, who are the real terrorists? Subhanallah. And this is the crux of the ma- of the matter, right? So we we've explained how Islam and jihad isn't about terror and causing terror and terrorism. But um, the thing we need to really highlight is who are those who are causing terror? And subhanAllah, I've done a bit of research and it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's eye-watering. It's eye-watering the amount of terror uh, the, 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 the West yeah. and secular, uh, secular states have caused, right? Uh, it's the state it, level, yeah? At a state level, right? I like to call it SST and SLT. That's not diseases, by the way. <laughs> that's, that's STD. That, that's uh, STD. <laughs> S- state-sponsored terrorism and state-level terrorism. Yeah. So yeah, and I think re- that's the that's the real terrorism, and we can go into that. Definitely, into definitely. It. I mean, it's reported almost ninety million have been killed as a result of secular state terrorism. Ninety million. Ninety million, right? And this isn't the previous, like when the the, the Native Americans. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about modern day secularism. How many they've killed, right? What, in the last uh, century and a half. The last probably? century and a half, for example, okay. right? Subhan- to give examples, right? The Iraq War, something close, quite close in our lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 1.2 million at a minimum, because these are reported. They don't. Report yeah, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Right yeah, yeah. at a minimum, mm. the reported 1.2 million Muslims uh, were killed due to the US. But I think invasion. that 90 million you're saying, because it's a big number. I think that might be uh, people that have died um, directly and indirectly. Because of secular wars, yeah, yeah, yeah. correct? Could, yeah. Um, or is that ninety million people that are being killed? I mean, no, it's not just killed. Even indirectly, so In, afterwards. Even yeah, afterwards, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like of because of the wars. Because of the wars. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it might not be directly that. That's what I think is a massive number. It's a, it's a massive number, but I would argue it's, it's even more. Really. Yeah, I like I said, these these figures seem like they're they're, 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 they
they're conservative figures. They will be. Right, they will be. Okay. Because if you think about it, when they're doing this killing, they're not reporting. They're not bothered about reporting, yeah, yeah. right? The Muslim village is cheap to them, right? Yeah. So, like I said, in Iraq, 1.2 million. This is going to be a massive yeah. underestimate, right? And it's not just killing. You know, it's easy to talk about the numbers of killed, but the torture in Abu Ghraib, for example. Mm. That, think of the CIA torture reports that were released. These are what they found. Imagine the amount of torture that happened to Muslim. And look, and look at one of the rules that you mentioned already about mutilating exactly. bodies and, and torturing, torturing etc. It's, so it's not allowed for us. It's not allowed for Muslims or state level to be able to even do that, to even conceive yeah. that. But for them, they don't follow these rules. Yeah. They might have the G- uh, Geneva Conventions. They, they, they don't follow them. this, right? So in Afghanistan, for example, you had at least 500,000 reported to have been killed as a result of the invasion of Afghanistan and even continues today. That's less, bro. That, that's what I thought. Well, I looked at the numbers, but okay. like, who, how can you, who can you trust, really? Exactly, okay. yeah. That's, that, you know, and, and, and you know how you mentioned about, uh, it only came out recently, yeah. uh, in Iraq now, the new babies that are being born yeah. with the depleted uranium that is being yeah. and That's yeah. the effect. This is the, this is the effect that Western colonial powers and state-level terrorism, state-sponsored terrorism has across the globe that the ramifications and the after-effects, they last for centuries. They don't last for 10 days, a year, five years, you know, they last for centuries. So that has to be linked to the the actual initial uh, uh, attack. The initial attack. So when we say about you're affecting a population... It's not just for that generation. You're talking about generation after generation after generation. Exactly. At the end of the yeah. day. So take, for example, in Iraq, the Fallujah. What happened in Fallujah? They used white phosphorus, yeah. right? And now there's reports of babies, deformed babies, uh, cancer. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's lots of these Bro, reports. the Fallujah, I remember at one stage years ago, because obviously this happened a, a while back, and I remember somebody was telling me that some of the uh, imams or the doctors, might, might have been doctors in the, in the Fallujah, they were actually encouraging people and, and women to say, look, not to not to give birth to babies because they were, all, they were all like, most of them were yeah. deformed and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sad, it's really sad yeah. because it's a long-term effect. So not, have, not only have they killed, they've actually caused long-term effects that are going to last for yeah. centuries, like you said. Yeah. Um, and just a link to that, who, who are the nation to have used a nuclear bomb? bomb. Yeah. The only nation. Yeah. The US, the two US. times, yep. in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Yeah. And they killed thousands and millions in doing this, but also the same things, long-term after-effects of uh, cancer, of mm. um, you know, birth defects, and still being reported today. Thing, thing is, bro, is you're, you're, you're giving some examples there. Of, of, And what makes it worse is the fact that it's not just that these are not, not just the people you're talking about, Is you're talking about the people who are actually accusing the Muslims and accusing Islam oh, of yeah, being barbaric. barbaric. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in uh, uh, Surah Baqarah, verse 11, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that and when it is said to them, do not cause corruption on the earth, they say we are but the peacekeepers. Subhanallah. And subhanAllah, you know, if you think about even in history, I mean, you give some current examples. Yeah. In history, you know, uh, whether w- what the Crusaders did in, uh, in uh, Al-Quds. SubhanAllah. Yeah. Um, what we saw with the native Indians, yeah. Subhanallah, what King Leopold II did in the Congo, right? Ten million people they say he killed. Ten million more than Hitler. And then the Native yeah. Americans is reported. One hundred and thirty million Native Americans were killed yeah. by the, the the Europeans, I mean the Americans today. Yeah. One hundred and thirty million were wiped off the land. Yeah. One hundred thirty million, Subhanallah, man. And Subhanallah. The, 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 the South Americans, exactly. Yeah. You know, and even yeah. for example, in uh, and somebody should check this. Uh, yeah. For example, when France went to uh, liberate the people in Libya, okay, yeah. from Gaddafi, 
But subhanAllah, in Algeria, um, what France did to the Muslims in 132 years of colonial rule. And remember, when, when the French had taken over Algeria, they annexed Algeria in a way where they said, this is part of France now. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. It wasn't even like, oh, this is just a colony. Mm. This was part of France. And subhanAllah, they say that in 1945, just in 1945, 45,000 Algerians were killed over a few days. Yeah, because these people they were calling for independence. Yeah, and um, and like you said, and, and Subhanallah, what, what it seems like we're doing here is you know we're we're competing in better <laughs> examples. Yeah, yeah. Of you're the saying that one. He's committed by of these course. People. Look at what happened in like you said in, in the Bengal famine. Look at what happened there. Four million, it was reported, were killed. Uh, for denying people human beings and they were obviously all Muslim food that's 4 million and it was deliberate systemic in order to wipe those people off and do, do you know what example we haven't mentioned yeah. that's probably the most prominent example in every Muslim's mind Palestine Yeah. how many thousands of millions have been killed in Palestine and they continually be per- persecuted today as well subhanAllah I mean the list goes on like it's, it's like endless list and subhanAllah the fact that their own birth was based on Terror and terrorism. It really does highlight who the real terrorists are and who who are and the real. The, the thing is, is like I said to you, what makes it worse is here now. Now, now you have people who are promoting this. I mean, you mentioned the famine thing. Mm-hmm. Well, how many Muslims know about Sultan Abdul Majid II, um, who sent uh, money and mm-hmm. and ships full of food to Ireland, yeah. the Irish potato to, famine, to, to, the, the Irish, Irish potato, potato famine, famine yeah. right? And okay. up until today, in I think I can't remember the port's name. I think it starts with D, but I'm not going to mention yeah. it, right? Yeah. But in that port now, even that football team of that that place where that port was, yeah. you know, their their emblem, I think it's still like the yeah, yeah. crescent and the and the star, the and they have like you know a a plaque, uh, you know, uh, as a memorial and and re- uh, to remember. Mm. What the what the Ottomans did, you know. The Ottomans did that. The right? Ottomans. You just you just mentioned <laughs> Palestine there. You mentioned Palestine. Yeah. Mm. You know, no mentions about Sultan Bayazid, yeah. who when he sent the ships to rescue the Jews yeah. from uh, the Spanish, Spanish Inquisition yeah. in Spain, and then brought them back right. to yeah. the Ottoman the the Muslim lands. So what we what we what we seeing here is Subhanallah a difference of night and day. Yeah. yeah. So basically, you what you're saying is you're seeing. The Islamic history is littered with the true peacemakers and not the fake UN peacemakers who sit by and watch the yeah. genocide that took place in like Srebrenica and Bosnia. Subhanallah, yeah. Srebrenica. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, there's too, that, too many. Too many. Chechnya. What, what happened in Chechnya? Yeah. Mm. You know, Allah, Allah, the the list, list so these up. genocides have been recorded and, and filmed and shown mm. to Muslims. And this is genocide. And what, is, you're show, what you're showing there is the history yeah. of Islam. But okay, I'm gonna throw in uh, uh, throw in something to what they call it a curveball. Curveball, curveball, yeah. curveball, yeah. curveball right? Baseball, isn't it, bro? <laughs> baseball, baseball, yeah. Okay, yeah. anyway, whatever. Not cricket, it's not cricket, bro. If it was, then it'd be a yorker, in it. <laughs> so if I'm throwing a yorker now, you're on about. We're on about, You just mentioned genocide and stuff yeah. there. Now, from what I've seen, is that the only thing that has been used against Islam and Muslims. Um, is to do with the Armenian genocide, which we know only recently, a <laughs> couple of months ago, if it's been that long. Yeah. Yeah. The Americans, uh, uh, you know, the, recognized, they recognized yeah. uh, that the Turks, the Ottomans, actually committed the Armenian genocide. Okay, so if someone turns around and says, "Well, look, you're trying to say your history is so clean," what happened in the Armenian genocide? So, I mean, this took place in 1915, 
during the latter parts of the Ottoman state or the Hilafat. Um, but it is one of the biggest lies ever to come out of that Bro, era. Bro, that's a big, big one, you know, big uh, claim. We've got some big statements to back it up as well, inshallah. Okay, okay. So, uh, I mean, again, like I said, it took place during that, that period of time. And what was going on is that if you look at the uh, colonial powers, they were pretty much diminished the strength of the uh, the Muslims by the Young Turk movement. The Ottomans, you mean? The Ottomans, sorry, yeah. yeah. So they had uh, pretty much diminished uh, what the Ottoman state was. And the Young Turks were, were taking over from that perspective. Mm. But I really want to tackle this from the point of view that um, if you have treachery taking place uh, in any state... There is a mechanism in place to deal with that. Um, so from a state level point of view, if you're having internal treachery, um, then how would you deal with that? You would obviously deal with it for like for like. So if the treachery is taking place from a media propaganda point of view, you would counteract it with that narrative. If the treachery is taking place from a physical uprising, you would then quash this uprising that okay. is taking place. Mm-hmm. So what happened? So the Armenians uh, were being used uh, and they were the uh, inroads into the Islamic State of trying to destroy it furthermore because what they'd actually seen is in the Balkans at the time, obviously the Muslims were losing power and losing land uh, space within there. So they'd seen all the other countries taking uh, sovereignty away. Uh, They were taking their own rule. So the Armenians now wanted their own specific uh, uh, backing or wanted their own um, uh, uh, independent statelet and the French promised them this mm. that you cause these problems you cause X, Y and Z problems for the Muslims and we will then promise you this uh, this state with the borders that you are actually saying so that was actually you know noted down historically that the, this meetings took place yeah. uh, with a, a certain uh, Armenian militia movement and what the French wanted was a certain number of uh, physical entity or soldiers, if you want to call them, to be able to cause this because they realize the, the Muslims are weak now, the Ottoman state is weakness. So how do we now counteract it? So this actually took place uh, uh, du- during that, that period of time in 1915. So this thing about genocide was mm. something that was concocted afterwards. Yeah. Now, let me paint a, a picture. Imagine you're a state, you're weak, you're down on its knees, you're, you're, you're wiped out now. Okay, and the colonial powers are in charge of you. They can say what they want, do what they want to you. Yeah. You got you got no leg to stand on. Correct? Yeah. Would you agree H- with that? History is written by the victors. Yeah, yeah. So, and you would agree with that. That yeah. if when when you're weak and down on your knees, mm. you're gonna be subservient to whoever's in charge of you, of course, right? Yeah. And whatever they're gonna say and however they want to write history, they can. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Just to add to that, I mean, what you've said is is bang on in the sense that. But you haven't explained what. Yeah, that's so, what I was, so, was just going to jump okay, in there. Sorry, yeah? you, so, 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 what actually took place is then, um, the Armenians claimed this genocide after the destruction of the Islamic State. That this took place. What took place though? Because like, something did happen though. Yeah. Bro. Histori- okay. Historically, something did happen. That's right. And I said it was that this treachery took place. There were soldiers. These soldiers were funded. Fueled, weaponized by the colonial powers. Yeah. So there's no difference to what when America was funding the Taliban or jihadis or Muslims and popularized this word to fight against the Soviets, a war by proxy they called it. 
So there's no difference with the colonials weaponizing the uh, Armenians that were living under the Islamic State, living in the, uh, the Ottoman State at the time. Uh, and there was no difference there. But what they asked them for is to create this fitna, to fight, to go and destroy people. And I will further touch on this point of the proof of this, which came out from their own mouths, which came out from the Armenians' own mouths at the end of the day. So in, 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 in after uh, the destruction of the Islamic State, a trial was held. A trial was held where 130 senior members, high-ranking levels from the, uh, the Ottoman Khilafah were taken from, so you're taken from your own land. So you haven't even got the security of saying you're being in your own land. Were taken to Malta, which belonged obviously to the colonialists now. And a trial was held there. So imagine this trial now, you're, you're being subjugated to all these claims. Even the British couldn't find evidence to back the claims of the Armenians. And that's noted down in history. Oh, so in that time period, when you're at your weakest, you've got no one to protect you, there's no army, there's no khalif. Even then, the British, the colonials who were fighting against you, couldn't back up the, yeah, the, the point the Armenians were making. Okay, That's one point. I mean, the, like you said, it was, it was in the midst of World War One. So mm. 1915, obviously, is in World War One, the time, and, the, and the Ottomans entered the war in, on, in 1914, right? So actually, they joined the Allied powers, right? And as you're saying, the Armenians actually were treacherous, and they joined the Central powers. Yeah. So now you've got within your because this is the Ottoman state, right? Mm. So if you've got a population in your state that have joined the enemy from from the from the mm. uh, context of World War One. Obviously, that's going to it's going to lead to consequences, right? And as I think the key point to mention as well, the Muslims didn't have the power then. Who who was in charge? It was the Young Turks. The Young mm. Turks had already in 1908 taken charge, and the Khalif was merely a, a title, right? It was the Young Turks who, due to their Turkish nationalism, and due to their um, you know the fact that they were pushed to push uh, Tur the Turk the Turk um, Turkish state. They didn't want the Armenians. So, yes, something happened. Let's not deny that it did happen, but it's been exaggerated. And actually, it's not the Muslims that have caused it. And I think the, the other key point is that, imagine in our 1400-year history, the one example they use is at the end of our history, when we didn't have the power. Yeah. They used this. So if there had been examples of this in history, of Islam, they would have used it. Obviously, they would have used it. But the reality is that they're few and far between. And they use the Armenian genocide as their get out clause to, to, to target. Do, do you know do you know who Juanes Chaznunis is? Yeah, yeah. Local butcher. No, <laughs> he's not a footballer, Madge. Okay. All right. Basically, he was the first prime minister of an independent Armenia. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. I just want to read something that he submitted a report when he was making these uh, uh, to, uh, I can't remember yeah. what it was, but it was written, a report was written. I just want to read something, uh, an excerpt from there. Are we not capable of doing what we did in Turkish Armenia, what we did in... Uh, uh, so, uh, sorry, are, no, are we not capable of doing what we did in um, uh, Russian Armenia, what we did in Turkish Armenia for 10 years? We certainly are. And the report further highlights the attacks that they took place, uh, the, the, the militia movements that they created, etc. So he is actually admitting, look, we did this, we did this in a covert operation, Hmm. And as the West like to call covert operations, they did this in covert operations, and they did yeah. this as well. So let's not let's not hide behind the fact that they were traitors. They were living 
in, uh, in in the Islamic state. They were the traitors. So obviously, when when treachery takes place, it needs to be quashed. Yeah, yeah I think um, I think what you've you've, you've backed up there. I mean, my, my take was slightly different because yeah. from what I've, the research I've done in the past, not recently but ages ago, was to do with the fact that the Armenians were basically allowing the Russians yeah. a passage through to to Turkey, exactly. and they were allying with the Russians and and they were killing. Turks and Muslims in in the area. Mm-hmm. So what the Turks did, and again, these weren't the Ottomans; these were the young Turks. They shifted them to Syria because what they wanted to do is they wanted to make that the the area where they were living. They wanted to make that a buffer zone between them and Russia. Mm-hmm. Whilst these people were there, in fact, it was similar to you know uh, at the Battle of uh, the Trench. Mm-hmm. How we had the the Jewish tribe. Yeah. Had that Jewish tribe allowed the Quraysh to come in from that route. Mm-hmm. The Muslims would have been routed in yeah. in a military point of view, right? That was treachery. Um, yeah. That was treachery, right? So what we see is that, um, but even if someone did use these claims to try to say it was Islam and all that, a we've established it's not from Islam. B we we also established that even if someone did it, they weren't applying Islam. Okay, and people are humans, yeah. and certainly the the uh, JK makes a fair point: the fact that in fourteen hundred years of history. You know, they use one example yeah. that itself, as Shaz has pointed out, is not clear whatsoever, and actually points towards the fact that this never happened in the way that is portrayed, or the way it's linked to the Ottoman Khilafah anyway. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, listen. No, no I just we, want to touch on that point. Very quick very point. Very quick yeah, point. Quickly, um, in I think 2007 or 2005, the Turkish government itself opened up all its archives for the international community That's true. That's true. for anyone to look at those archives. And say right, find us the evidences that took place because obviously within history you can find any records, any commands, people uh, m- making military maneuvers against those people mm. that never took place, and they're still open to anyone to look at that part. The Dashnak Party, which was the main political party, obviously at the time, I think within Armenia itself, still withholds its records. Yeah, internally um, it won't show those records, and also has political records in Boston, America, right, and they are locked. And they still won't open and allow people access to these because you know why? It proves the treachery that they actually took place. And okay, what they did okay. Inshallah, Subhanallah. So, I mean, what we can see from that is the fact that uh, you know, like I said before, the the only thing that they accuse the Muslims is something which you know is is unfair, and to try to use just if you had a scale, right? Scales and and you put all the atrocities on one side, and you even put the the you know uh, the Armenian issue uh, which itself seems like you know it never really uh, mm. happened the way it was described there's no balance but anyway let's inshallah start bringing the podcast to a close as the people who are watching this can see it's getting dark outside <laughs> and we will need to be praying maghrib soon as well um, what i will say is that what you guys have highlighted through the podcast is that you know what we can see is that islam itself mm. um jihad has nothing to do with terrorism it's a noble concept, uh, you know, uh, the virtues of it, you know, just read the hadith, the best of mankind, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, has, has explained this to us. And actually what we can see is that this is a tool that's being used by the West in order to push their agendas in the Muslim lands. Uh, and actually when we're talking about who are the real terrorists, like Shah said, it's the uh, ST. Um, SSP SSP SLT right? It's not a sandwiches Okay SL, yeah, okay. Uh, it's state sponsored terrorism, terrorism Right You know we've, and, and subhanAllah We've got to show There's so many examples yeah. So To bring it to a close If you look at 
both sides of we've just explained that why is it that muslims are on the defensive why is it that we don't uh, counteract these accusations made against islam the noble concepts against our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam why is it we are defensive why is it that in fact because we are on the defensive we even start to interpret things yeah. incorrectly mm-hmm. why is that and i think it's mainly because it's a matter of understanding and knowledge you know today even just in this short time we've been able to explain the difference between what the western colonialists did and how many they killed and the terror they caused compared to jihad and islam in the history right and the fact that we did follow certain rules and the messenger sallallahu for example in the conquest of mecca applied some of these rules that was that occurred with minimal bloodshed mm. because the, the purpose is not about killing mm. or fighting the purpose is about liberating mankind and 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 showing the justice of islam so you know what i'd advise our listeners and our muslims to do is learn read understand the seerah understand what actually occurred in the the life of the sahaba as well and, and the companions afterwards because in it shows that the the true difference between the two and you know the fact that we didn't rape the lands of all its resources rape the people destroy that we all the destruction we see today we didn't do any of that and examples they use are very exaggerated like the armenian genocide mm. so for me i think mainly it is about understanding and knowledge and and really you know i'd ask the muslims to do that to subhanallah this subhanallah. some of the things that you just mentioned about you know raping and pillaging the mm. lands and you already mentioned in those 10 points earlier on where you can't destroy exactly. uh you know like and trees yeah. crops yeah. you know which were the, the the financial resources or the the, the commodities oh. of its time yeah. or you know the animals so you can't you can't you can't do that islam mm. doesn't permit you to do that you know so it already covers that and i think it, it, a lot of it is that is that muslims they they're given the narrative by the western institutions and western thinkers of what their history is yeah. and it's incumbent on muslims to go out and to learn and find out about the actual true history of its deen mm-hmm. i think it's no point sitting on the fence and saying yeah it's a, it's it's our duty to find out what actually happened in history and not be written by the orientalists and the western media to exactly. portray what it is about islam But there's a really really good podcast yeah it's called Talking Sira if you tune into that it covers a lot what do you do you present that I don't know I don't know that was a good plug in there <laughs> but yes I mean to be honest with you just to second the sort of advice that you're giving I think yeah. what it really does boil down is that it boils down to us really understanding our deen and I think before any of that you know what you have to have is desire mm-hmm. you know if you think about it we have a desire to study because we want a good job mm. we have a desire to do many things that car we want that house we want we put the effort without desire nothing will happen so mm. this same desire we should have it anyway but certainly in 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 light of this onslaught that we're witnessing and not mm. just us what you got to understand is that if we don't understand it tomorrow when our children who are going to come across challenges which we never experienced mm. they have some challenging times ahead yes, of them of ahead of them when they come to us and we don't understand it when they give us examples of banu qurayza and they give examples of your messenger did this and he killed all these people and yes. this and that and you know if we can't defend that mm. 
then how are our kids, how what are they going to understand? Yeah. That this is a religion from the 7th century which was barbaric yeah. and now because of human rights yeah. and freedoms and all of this, it has no place. Yeah. You know, and that's what it boils down to. So, you know, my advice and, and I think all of our advice really is that as Muslims, we can't complain if, you know, all these accusations are being met and we cannot challenge them. We can't complain if we don't try to find out and dig for the truth ourselves. Correct. Right? Exactly. And if we, you know, prioritize other things ahead of this, ahead of defending our deen, ahead of defending our the reputation and the legacy of our messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then reality is, is if tomorrow our children are not interested in Islam, where they see human rights and they see that Winston Churchill is their role model and their hero. Right then, who have we got to blame? Yeah. No one but ourselves. Okay. Another point, just to you know, as we bring this to close, what I'll say is that another thing we can see is, you know, we mentioned jihad. What we can see is that the attack on Islam, we see, it's an attack on the political aspects of Islam. Mm-hmm. It's the attack on the methodology of Islam. If you are to remove jihad from Islam, then the mechanism, the methodology that's been, you know. Uh, prescribed for how Muslims carry their deen. This is absent. This is gone now. Mm. And that's why even Muslims, when you hear the argument of, well, Indonesia became Muslims without any fighting. Yeah, 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 alhamdulillah. That's brilliant. Right? But that's another facet. That's another aspect of it. That's another aspect of the beauty of Islam. But no one can, you know, remove the fact that from history, yeah. the fact that the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam performed jihad, the fact that Islam spread through North Africa and all these places through Persia, through Sham, via yeah. jihad, via great heroes like Khalid ibn Walid radiallahu anhu. Yeah. So, I think you know it's it's a good place I think to bring this podcast to to a close. Is there any final points that you guys wanna wanna mention? Inshallah ta'ala? Just that, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned some, some interesting points and uh, um, especially the one about um, our children and the future generation. Um, the, the narrative from the West is always going to be a negative one. It will never, ever allow something, a different ideology to be portrayed as superior. And Muslims need to wake up to that fact and need to in, be more investigative and look, and there's we don't need to go far. We look at Rasulullah's life, and you apply what the rules of jihad were, and that's what they are. We're not saying they're any different. Nothing's changed. They're exactly the same rules that existed at that time. Now, cross-apply and look at what the Western world has done. Just forget any other time. Let's just look at the last 100 years. Forget even that. Let's just look at the last 30 years and compare that Compare that, and I challenge anyone, find us from the Islamic history, this level of death and destruction and murder mm. of innocent civilian people, which they use this heinous term, collateral damage, which is disgusting. And it's obligatory, I think, on Muslims to look more into what Islam actually really is, and this specifically this subject matter. So, so on that note, who are the real terrorists? The West. The West. Yeah. Inshallah ta'ala, let's end on that really Jazakallah for both my special guests Brother JK Jazakallah. and Brother Shaz and JK and SK JK and SK um, <laughs> I like this tag team Okay I was going to make some more but yeah, we're running out of time right? <laughs> So Inshallah ta'ala, we'll end on that note Jazakallah for uh, watching or listening to this podcast Inshallah ta'ala, please share it with your family and friends 
and visit all our platforms on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, um, and all popular podcast platforms. And inshallah, until the next podcast, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.